Welcome back, Trump Mafia listeners. I'm Rick Phillips, producer of the Trump Mafia, here with Don Sikorsky, our mighty host. And as promised, we are going to continue to keep you informed as to our take on what's going on in all of the whirlwind, the latest whirlwind, the oxygen being sucked out of the news cycle again by Trump. This week, he ended up with a new indictment out of Georgia from Fonnie Willis. And we're going to go over this indictment. So, Dom, why don't you take us through it and your thoughts? Yeah, well, apologies to Fonnie, because I think in previous episodes, I'm calling her Fanny. So we'll get that straight moving forward. Fonnie, here's the deal. This is these are my thoughts. 19 people indicted indicators are saying that she wants to try all 19 at one time. Now, this is very interesting, and it's a tactic that is often used to take the defendants and want to put them all in the same courtroom. Now, that would be interesting if you showed up for a trial and there were 19 defendants sitting around the tables in the courtroom, but that's not going to happen. And the first thing that you're going to start to see happening is a legal term where defense attorneys are going to want to sever their clients from the larger indictment. And for example, Trump's chief of staff, Mark Meadows, has already taken the strategy of saying, well, I want my case severed. Why his lawyers are doing this, I have no idea. He wants to move his case to federal court. Either he's a moron or his lawyers have some form of a strategy that they think is going to work here. You're going to start seeing these 19 defendants And their defense counsels maybe want to have their own trial. Now, the other strategy is, well, let's see how this all shakes out. Let's see, one, who's going to cooperate out of those 19 and become government witnesses. I have not heard anything on the news that any of them have walked into Fonny's office and said, hey, I'm I'm ready to talk. I'm sure that's going to happen. The next part of this is is seemingly a, an obvious part of this, and that is somebody like a Rudy Giuliani. The irony of, of him being charged with a RICO case is Giuliani made his legal bones in the Southern District of New York by bringing one of the biggest RICO cases, the defining RICO case against the five families, which was called the commission trial. So here you have arguably one of the most famous ever U.S. attorneys who used RICO as a sword now being charged with RICO. Now, whether Giuliani walks in and cooperates, that would be stunning. I wouldn't put it past him and I wouldn't put it past all these guys to want to, you know, save their own asses for lack of a better term. The other part of this that I keep wanting to go back to is comparisons 
to the Young Thug Rico indictment by Fani and her team. And I want, I think you're going to be startled by this piece of news, Rick. Do you know that in that particular Rico case, that they have been picking a jury for eight months? Eight months it's taken them, and I don't even think they have their jury yet. So just think about that. Hip hop superstar going to trial. And they start the trial with voir dire or jury selection. And they are going on eight months. And now I believe they're down to about 750 potential jurors. So even if this was to work quickly in terms of a trial date, are we looking at six months to pick a jury here for a trial against Trump or any of his cohorts who are left? It makes you think, right? Because the timing of all of this, you're coming up against the election cycle, coming up against the, the other federal cases that are going on. So, you know, at a certain point, I think all this information becomes overwhelming but we'll try and keep it as clean as possible here as it moves forward. The other thing that I'm very curious about is to see who the crew, meaning Trump's crew, who they select as their lawyers or attorneys. There's some very, very strong criminal defense attorneys in Atlanta. Uh, Brian Steele being one of them. He's at trial right now representing Young Thug, I would think he'd be a candidate from one of these 19 people to have him represent him. So Trump's guy is Drew Finling. He's top. Brian Steele's a top guy. They got some good lawyers down in Atlanta. I'll be curious to see who Giuliani brings in. But I'm curious to see if these guys go local, meaning they, you know, get criminal defense attorneys from the local system, or do they bring in some, you know, heavyweights from New York or Washington, D.C., who are outsiders? So anyway, I think the other thing about this indictment, you know, listen, she strikes me in watching the press conference that she got angry at a certain point. So anyway, the next part of this, you know, that I think is is interesting is, you know, in the previous federal indictments, if you listen to some of the analysts around this stuff, they like the idea of how Jack Smith kept it very clean. He's got Trump as the guy. He's going after Trump in this very clean path of least resistance. Now, Fani, on the other hand, she might have pulled up every possible law on the books in the state of Georgia to put in that indictment. And I think the number at last count was something like 161 um, predicate acts. And that I, I, I've never seen that. I've heard other that was just in the first charge. I haven't I'd have to go and and really understand how she was able to do that. And and that's part of my research process. I think this first wave of everything, these are my initial reactions about this. But man, 
you know, what a mess. And then I think the names in this indictment, some of them, no surprise, right? Giuliani, you had his lawyers, guys like John Eastman, guys like Ken Chesabro, Jeffrey Clark. That's that's three attorneys that are now indicted in a RICO case. I'd have to go back. There are times that lawyers have been indicted in RICO cases. It's not often. I think lawyers, whoever they are, they always, unless you know they're in bed with drug dealers or they're in bed in a criminal organization in a way that's untoward, it's not often that you find prominent attorneys caught up in criminal RICO. It just doesn't happen. So again, 19 people, she threw the book. And I think Van Jones on CNN said something like she didn't just throw the book. She threw the whole library. This is going to be interesting. And this, I think, with 19 defendants will be a legal process that goes on unless they somehow speed this up for the next two years, at least. So there'll be coverage. So. Let me ask you a question because I know it's on the really on everybody's mind, like everybody's mind, because there's so much murkiness over this. Everybody wants to know a few things. They, as you've pointed out, they're trying to people would like to know, like, how quickly does a trial actually get set? How does the timeline jive with Trump's bid for office? What happens if Trump, for some reason, wins the presidency again, but somehow he's indicted. It seems that there there is no precedent for this. So the greatest legal minds don't have a clear cut answer. It's a very, very gray area because it's never happened before. Obviously, nobody's ever provided for this in any of the Constitution. So it is a it's an interesting thing. Everybody is all the people want to know what happens If he's indicted, does he go to jail? If he's in jail, but he wins the presidency, can he still be the president? Can he even run? Things like that people are curious about. Um, So it'd be interesting if maybe you could look into some of those answers. Uh, Well, listen, I'm not a constitutional legal scholar. I do know two things. From every indication, the reason why Trump is scared of this particular indictment is... This is the the beauty of our political system, meaning from from what I'm hearing, every sign points to that even as the president, there's no way out of these state charges that's controlled by the state of Georgia. Now, obviously, on the federal sides of the federal side of things, if if he wins, he can full sale get rid of you know all of these u.s attorneys he could wholesale get rid of you know members of the justice department now would it be um a scandal of course i mean the the thought of him becoming president again brings up something that is so unprecedented that you almost believe it could never happen but i'm gonna look and follow what they're saying i think the bottom line is this is i think there's so un so many unknowns in this and so many moving pieces between the state legal systems 
and the federal legal systems and the scheduling of all of this, it's just it's almost too much to even think about how they're going to schedule all of this before the election or how do they jam all of this in before November? And if they do jam that in, what does that mean for the campaign cycle? Meaning if he's on trial in Georgia at the height of campaign season, does that mean he has to sit there? Now, the other interesting thing about this is this trial if in Georgia can be televised on television. The federal trials, there are no cameras ever allowed in federal courtrooms. So you'll never have the cameras in those federal trials of Trump. But in Georgia, if the judge allows, which is that's the usually the arbiter, this will be televised. So can you imagine? I mean, if we thought as a country the OJ television event of that trial was a big thing, can you imagine a RICO trial in Georgia being televised. I mean, the the ratings of that alone would would make a network or who, where, wherever you're watching that, right? So the other crazy thing about that to consider is because Trump is such a vacuum. That's all that the country would focus on during an election cycle. So in other words, you'd have all these candidates out there trying to campaign And nobody's really paying attention because they only want to keep watching what's happening with Trump in his trial. Yeah, I mean, listen, going to impact, even if they can get it, like you said, scheduled and get him in and cram it in. It actually still really damages the electoral process. I mean, listen, the electoral process as it stands is already damaged. So I don't know how much more damage we can do to it as a country. It's shaping up to be Biden, Trump, you know, part two. Uh, And so you kind of know what you're getting. DeSantis, as of now, is a non-factor. You got some other candidates that were just at Iowa Iowa State Fair. One guy was rapping, you know, Eminem's Lose Yourself at the Iowa State Fair. I heard that this morning. (laughs) So, I mean, it's a it's a disaster. It's unless there's some candidate that comes out of nowhere and and it doesn't seem like it seems like the democratic national committee has basically told everyone to stand down and biden's our guy you know as he as he heads to 86 and above so listen i don't you know the the strategy here from a legal a legal precedent is that maybe these cases just completely crash in on Trump and it's just too much to handle. It's too many legal fees. It's too much time that's being devoted to it. And this is ultimately what finally, you know, unwinds this guy. But this is only emboldened his base. So, you know, buckle up. This is only going to be you know, one of the crazier times in our countries. I mean, if you want to look back to the late 60s when all the turmoil turmoil was going on, we've never had a president indicted in in a in a criminal proceeding and a former president in a state court under what is basically the highest level criminal 
charge that our country has in terms of RICO. I mean, there's, I'm surprised they didn't charge them with homicide in the RICO as a predicate <laughs> act. It's okay. Let's let's end on something fun, or at least something more fun. If you're a Trump hater, all this is really fun. If you're not, it's not so much fun. The judge basically given Trump a gag order and just said, you shut your mouth. There's no tweeting. There's no social. There's no anything. You just shut your mouth. What do you think about him? Like just immediately going on the attack, calling Fonny phony, phony Willis, like all the best Trumpisms are coming. I mean, he's creating such good entertainment. I don't think the the Georgia courts have any power in terms of a gag order. I think on the federal side, I do know there's someone you don't want to mess with, and that is a federal judge. So on the federal side, I think a gag order has teeth. I do not think a gag order in Georgia will do anything. I honestly think what it'll only do is you'll have lawyers in hearings in a Georgia state court churning up billable hours talking about a gag order. It's meaningless. So on the federal side, I think he probably has to watch his tongue. But down in that case in Georgia, I don't think so. And that's just my opinion. I'm, I might be wrong on that. And maybe we'll see. I mean, listen, I do know Fani is not fucking around. She's definitely not fucking around. She brings serious cases. She's bringing serious Rico cases. This is her like third or fourth Rico in the last, I'd say, two years that I've seen and followed. She is using that the way, funny enough, Giuliani used it back in the 80s to dismantle the mob. She's like, okay, you want to fuck with me? Well, I'll use the tools that you guys use to become famous. I'm going to use them now because you wanted to say these things. I think him saying anything to her is diminishing returns at this point because you could see in that press conference that it's personal for her. It really is. You could see, you could hear it. It was like she was shouting. You could hear. I had it on in the background. I wasn't watching it with my eyes, but I could hear with my ears a level of personal anger that enough was said to her that she's like, okay, let's let's go. Let's play. Let's go. Okay, so next time you'll obviously be keeping up with all the events as they're happening in real time. Have you uh, done any more? I know something that was a bit of a cliffhanger that you left us all with last uh, episode was the Hunter Biden situation. And you said that you had some information that you were still pursuing and trying to verify that you thought was particularly damning. Yes. The Devin Archer case out of the Southern District is very interesting because it does tie directly back to Hunter Biden and to Joe Biden. OK, and I'm just going to give you a little bit of what they were charged with, which is conspiracy to commit securities fraud. And the indictment states that for at least two years, a crew of guys which included Jason Galanis from the Galanis crime family, Gary Hurst, John Galanis, Michelle Morton, Devin Archer, and Bevin Cooney. These were the defendants. And these defendants were basically scamming a Native American economic development tribal entity. Here's the thing. Devin Archer was 
business partners with Hunter Biden. Now, this is a case that's already played out in the courts of the Southern District. And Devin Archer, when it was all said and done, even though this was close to a hundred million dollar almost scheme that went on, was put in jail for about a year. But again, I want to be clear. There has been other federal criminal enterprises that have been tied to Hunter Biden that are not conspiracy theories. Federal prosecutors and Hunter Biden had a tentative plea agreement and that was ripped up and thrown out. And now they've brought in a special counsel to look at this stuff. So again, I want to stress the Biden crime family and the Trump crime family, ruling families, if you will, of what is becoming an oligarchy here in the United States of America, for lack of a better word. I'm going to keep a track of this stuff for everyone, and I'll come back to you maybe early next week with some more stuff. All right. Well, thank you very much for this analysis. And listeners, thank you for listening. If you like us, leave us a nice review. It's how we succeed and keep bringing you this information. So until the next time, that's it from Trump Mafia headquarters. <laughs>